0: to the Ordinary Knitter, the knitting podcast that's mostly about the projects, sponsored by Ecoflap Home Draft Proofing Products. My name is Heather, and I won't bore you here with where to find me on social media. I'll put it at the end, so hang on all the way till then if you're really interested. This time, Drops Nord Yarn, my new Knit Pro Smart Sticks, an interview with Poonam Farmer, and when is it a good idea to buy yarn? I spoke last time about the research I'd done to find a yarn that was more hard wearing than those I'd previously used to make socks. One of my guiding principles before had been that yarn had to be able to go in the tumble dryer because I use it so much in the autumn and winter. And of course, that's just when hand knitted socks are most worn and going through the washing machine every five minutes. Um, But of course, just because a pair of socks doesn't shrink in the tumble dryer doesn't mean that they're not going to get thinned by going through it. So this penny dropped a few months ago because, of course, thinned socks are more vulnerable to wearing through. And we seem to have a spate of it. And, you know, right enough, a lot of the pairs of socks were probably a similar age and they would be starting to show their age at a similar time. But even so, I did realise that losing half their fibres going through the tumble dryer really wasn't helping. So the point I'm really getting around to very slowly is that I haven't been putting socks in the tumble dryer over the last few months. And I've got into a habit of fishing them out of the wet load and hanging them up above the tumble dryer so they get the best of both worlds. And of course, because I'm now not looking for this tumbleable feature in sock yarn, it's just opened up the world of sock yarn to me. So... As I talked about last time, I chose Drop's Nord, N-O-R-D, for its high alpaca content. By complete coincidence, there are three alpaca in the field across the lane from us, so I'll try and get a photo of them um, to stick up online with this. Both colourways of yarn arrived on Friday and they're just as gorgeous in the flesh as they were on the listing. The colours are so deep and the blue, the one I've spent the most time gazing at so far, seems to change shade slightly in every light. That could be annoying, but I love it. Sometimes it's more turquoise other times a bit petroly and then suddenly it's Kingfisher. Deep Ocean is a really good name for it because it reflects that variety of blue in the sea. So when they arrived, I went rushing out to the garage where my husband was doing stuff, had it all in my hand. And I asked him which colourway he fancied first. And he went for the blue. So I cast on for those yesterday, as well as the subtly changing shade. As you really bore into the yarn with your eyes, you know, as it sort of fills your field of vision as you're knitting, especially when you have to keep counting accurately over increase rounds and so on and you're really paying attention to your yarn. I noticed how many tiny variations of shade there are in the yarn from stitch to stitch. The overall effect is just fantastic and it makes it very tempting to pick up the project every five minutes. As the weather was so lovely on Friday and we're lucky enough to have a garden, what a godsend at the moment. I sat in the garden to get going and joined my daughter, who was sitting outside, which is very unusual for her. I realised very early on that casting on and doing alternate increase rows while keeping my stitch count right and not dropping stitches wasn't compatible with chatting with my daughter. But I just ripped out and started again and backtracked as often as necessary rather than go inside. She's part of the cohort affected by A-level cancellations and uncertainty over grades and starting university, so it's not an easy time for her and her peers, along with everyone else. So each colourway of this Drops Nord has come in two 50 gram balls, so I had the choice of starting each sock with its own ball of yarn, rather than knitting from each end of one ball as I do usually. When I made the sport boot socks that I talked about in recent episodes I used several small balls of yarn because that's the form that the yarn I used was in. They came in these really tightly wound up small balls obviously having been wound on from some much bigger skein somewhere back in the mist of time before I had it and to find each end of each ball I would have had to have completely unraveled it and I just wasn't up for that. So because that's how this yarn came I used several small you know I was using two small balls at a go and having to work in new ones every so often now these socks are still sitting at the foot of my knitting bag waiting to be darned they've gone through on the flat of the heel I think part of the reason I'm putting off the darning is that I'm really not sure it's worth it as the yarn just seems to thin when Dee just looks at them never mind wears them so I'm not sure a darn will last long and it's just more fun to knit new ones isn't it? I kept getting in a terrible tangle when I was using two balls of wool at each time, so for the current pair it was a pretty easy decision just to go with knitting from each end of one ball as usual. Incidentally, knitting two at a time from one ball can be a good plan if you're mixing balls of different colours or patterns or even just dye lots as the change from one yarn to the next will be at the same place in each sock. If you're using a variegated yarn, pull out your yarn far enough from each end that you can start both socks at the same point in the pattern, if it matters to you that the socks broadly match. Knitting socks two at a time can sound like rocket science, but really it isn't at all. The only bit that can give you a moment's pause is casting on. But personally, I think that's a lot easier doing toe up. In fact, my brain refuses to even try to think about how you would do that casting on with a cuff. But I'm quite sure it's an everyday thing for many knitters. The same really applies to mittens knitted from the finger end down, as mittens and socks are essentially the same thing, allowing for little things like heels and thumbs. So I've completed the toe section, all the increases and everything, and I'm now ready to start on what I call the fuselage, oh, Hilarious, which I'll knit in a rib so that the sock is nice and stretchy to pull on. If anyone hasn't heard me drone on about my sock pattern before over the years i've put together a stitch count and set of technique preferences for knitting socks for my husband none of which are original they're all taken from other people's patterns well apart from the stitch count which is something we've sort of arrived at together um they've come together in what i've christened school run socks because i used to do a lot of knitting sat in the car waiting for children um, if you didn't get there a good half an hour early, you just couldn't park. But all that changed a couple of years ago, but the name has stuck. Um, the nice thing about being at this point of now just beginning the main bit of the foot is that you can motor along and sort of hold a conversation at the same time. I'm knitting these socks with my new Knit Smart Sticks. They're really lovely to knit with. I do particularly like Knit Pro's light metal needles. These needles move beautifully on each other and they just generally behave nicely. They feel lovely in the hand. I will definitely consider another pair when I next need new needles, but I will have a dilemma possibly if the size I need is also available in KnitPro Pro Nova Cubics. After talking about cables, misbehaving cables and relaxing cables, in the last episode, I found myself this week, for the first time in a long time, needing to think about what length cable to use for these socks, as I've been using fixed 3.25mm on a cable that's about 25 miles long really I haven't needed to think about that before but I've been aware that the cable on the fixed ones is annoyingly long I had a a policy at one point whenever I bought fixed needle or fixed circulars of buying them with the longest possible cable because I thought it sort of covered me for every eventuality but it can be a real pain when you're knitting socks and you've got sort of just about the longest cable that you can buy Um, so when I was looking for a cable to fix onto these smart sticks I deliberately chose one that was long enough but not too long it turns out it's not quite long enough. I underestimated how much slack I would need so what I'm going to do is knit one plain round onto the fixed 3.25 millimetre circulars that I've got, put a longer cable onto the smart sticks and then knit another plain round back onto the smart sticks and then at that point I'll start the rib. It's a bit of a faff but I think it's worth doing because otherwise I'm just going to be irritated by slightly too short cable for the next two or three weeks. <music> interview with Poonam Farmer, an internet friend of several years. I can't remember now if our paths first crossed because of growing your own veg or knitting. I'll let Poonam introduce herself and then we go on to talk about the fascinating technique she's just used to knit a pair of socks, knitting flat and seaming up the sides. Over to Poonam. Um,
1: My name is Poonam Farmer and I've got that many strings, I could probably have a whole string section. I'm a teacher, a counsellor and here, who just happens to have lots of different creative varied interests from teaching, counselling, allotmenteering to writing, romance of all things. So that's me. And obviously not, sure. uh, not forgetting knitting. Absolutely, knitting <laughs> as well. Knitting has to be an interest as well. So
0: have you been knitting for long? Is this something you've done since childhood or is it more recent?
1: It it has been around since childhood. Um, I grew up with my grandparents, my paternal grandparents. And I think, I was trying very hard to think about this, actually. When did it all start? Um, I think uh, about the age of 11, my paternal grandma taught me to knit. Um, And I I don't remember how or when, but it was a case of watching her knit and crochet. And I was a bit intrigued, I guess, by the Mm -hmm. skill of her just being sat there, and her fingers, you know, moving 10 to a dozen. Um, and I remember knitting various bits and pieces um, on and off, really, with her support. And oh, that's she a lovely been, way to learn. Yeah, she must have been very patient. I don't remember, you know, well, <laughs> didactic or I don't remember it, but it, I guess via osmosis, yeah. Really. Um, yeah. but I think yeah.
0: that's probably the most traditional way to learn you know if you sort of sort of look back over the generations you know most people most kids in boys as well because it was commonly a thing for boys and men to do you know yeah. back in the day you just would have learned watching your mum as you say your mum your grandma just and knitting things that were needed on an everyday basis it wasn't a sort of slightly elevated pursuit that it's become now so you would describe yourself as coming from a family of knitters then
1: I would definitely say so. I've, I've traditionally, I actually come from a family of tailors, so fabric oh, textile right. has come, always been in there. Um, so my paternal grandma particularly knitted. Um, I think my maternal grandma certainly knitted. And as such, my mum knits yes. and crochets and... Uh, my mum can crochet for England you'd be surprised what she can knit and crochet and she can do it with her eyes closed most of the time
0: I wouldn't be surprised because I consider um crocheting to be a tremendous skill that other people seem to have licked that throws me I I, know I can do I don't know what it's even called just a standard chain and it goes beyond that I can't orientate myself with a crochet stitch in the same way as I can with a knit stitch and I feel incredibly insecure with just the one needle (laughs) I
1: couldn't crochet at all and and part of the, um, the the knitting on flat needles. Once you've had your, you created your sock using a crochet hook with a chain to to seam it all together. And I sat there and I asked my mum to show me. And I remember, you know, when you've got TV or DVD, and you want to pause and play. Yes. And I was trying to do that with my mum, which isn't very <laughs> easy. Um. And I had to, st- I had my instructions in the book, and then I was trying to get mum, and I had to almost pause and play in my own head Mm. and I did think funnily enough afterwards could you possibly crochet and over the years I have tried so like yourself Heather I cannot crochet (laughs) it just doesn't work in my brain um the psychology of it imagining it and what it Mm -hmm. happens inside in I've I don't know how to describe my imagination but in a similar vein to the way I learn I suppose um trying to i learn by hearing by doing by having mm-hmm. diagrams and things mm-hmm. and being able to do it by, by myself um so there was something about that process the crocheting that I thought, oh that's interesting but i i it, it scares me crocheting mm-hmm. is not my bag Whatsoever. No,
0: it's uh it scares me too, but I've got a friend who's the complete opposite. She's a fantastically skilled crocheter and she can knit, but she doesn't really enjoy it. She finds driving the two needles just sort of it becomes exponentially more complicated. But yeah. um so having knitted odds and ends as you grew up, what made you take the leap into socks?
1: Complete and utter fluke and lockdown, I think. <laughs> oh, it's gonna um, be responsible for a lot, <laughs> isn't it? It's gonna be <laughs> responsible for a lot of creative things. Um Actually, through sheer randomness, I think the, there was a animal shelter in London put out a call for cat blankets. Oh. Um, and so very randomly, um, to keep myself occupied, my mum occupied, mum, will knit these billy blankets, we'll, these blankets for cats, we'll do these. And then um, I had a conversation with a teaching colleague and also a, a member of, the, uh, of a gardening family, if you like, who recommended a book and I had in the same vein of talking to you said I don't do crocheting I don't even do circular needles Hell. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so and she very kindly recommended a book by a lady named Alice Curtis which I've got on my um, e-reader and I kid you not Heather it was a case of I could knit socks it was uh-huh. just that
0: <laughs> a light bulb knit. moment
1: like absolute light bulb moment of well why not and you know I like socks I have they you know one of those life guilty pleasures at Christmas my sister bought me a stack of various there was gardening socks Star Trek socks Mm -hmm. there was just these beautiful socks
0: there really is a sock for every niche interest isn't there
1: absolutely (laughs) and you know Star Trek socks I mean really so um so I thought well okay why not and the last two weeks um I couldn't read knitting patterns I I'm not a numerical person I don't like maths whatsoever no. so knitting patterns have forever been my nemesis I didn't want to touch them at all it's a very
0: it's an interesting point I think because I think many knitters could probably well many knitters could I could probably recall the moment where they actually felt either sort of equal to a knitting pattern or that moment of well you know I really do think the time has come because yeah. when you're learning to knit you get your basic skills down you can knit you can purl you can maybe increase and decrease um, but then there comes a point where you really want to to turn that into something that you can sort of be proud of dare I say and you, you really are going to have to tangle with a pattern of some description I think the first I think thing so. I ever did was a basic hat just a basic bead for my son when he was very small.
1: It's just it's, it's quite right what you say. Um, and I think I mean when I was looking at these socks that i i at, on the surface of it they're like a lump of fabric. but <laughs> I put them on my feet and I actually sat there for a good minute and a half thinking first of all you've knitted them. Definitely. Second of all, they look like socks and wow, could I, I could do this again. Yeah. And that would be quite effective. <laughs> Um, I mean, coming with from a psychological perspective, and I was sat there, and all the time I'm knitting these socks, and I'm thinking skill acquisition. Yeah, you've learned, sure. you know, you've learned so much. I mean, who, who, whoever wants actually deliberately wants to knit so, socks? Oh, I um, do. It's just I might <laughs> now. Um, and so I thought, well, okay, this is enjoyable, and it's. It is, it's grounding.
0: It's, it's productive. And I think for yes. me, that's something I find tremendously useful. It really uh, bashes down a peg in my head. Yes. I've done something productive. Look.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, before I came on, I was looking at, and again, given my background with counselling and psychology, I actually looked into the research the literature about um, the impact of, just very, very briefly, just surface level only, about the um, therapeutic effects of knitting
0: yeah they um, are well documented aren't they yeah
1: they are certainly well documented and it's across a huge cross-section as well different cultural groups different skill levels and yeah, I because guess, I mean
0: you'd you'd be hard pressed to find a culture where they don't knit to some extent
1: wouldn't yep. you I think it, it just kind of it is a universal language I mean the patterns might differ but the skill acquisition the process and actually the sharing of it mm. has a anthropological historical value in itself that sharing of things yeah um i mean i was thinking with this and also embroidery which is also stashed somewhere yes i've seen that on instagram yeah so something very um very jane austen pride and prejudice about that as well so in terms of it has a huge social historical and cultural value that i think in uh, that i'm only appreciating right now Mm-hmm. and it's a light bulb moment it really mm. is
0: so where did you so once you decided that you know hey I could actually knit socks too um where did you start I know you uh, well I asked you to email me your patterns so that I could yeah. see if I could be any help but the pattern that you sent me was for um several um double pointed needles or DPMs yeah. as they're known yeah. in the clique um <laughs> but presumably you didn't use that pattern
1: I've got you the pattern. I've got a a pair a set. What's the plural? Yes. I don't know. A set of um, circular needles. Yes. VPNs. They, they look like cocktail sticks to me, bamboo sticks. <laughs> so I'm like, no, can't do that. And the actual arrangement of them, it just it it plays havoc with my imagination. So I've got a set of um, circular needles, uh, 2.5 needles. And I've got that pattern that I've sent you and I've, yeah. I've I've done maybe one or two rounds and I'm looking at it thinking, this is still a bit fuzzy in my head.
0: Oh, that's fair yeah. enough. You don't have to force yourself, do you? If you're out no, of your no. comfort zone at the moment, just build up your yeah. confidence a bit more and then you can have another bash.
1: Exactly. So I've got that pattern, I've got those and I'm I'm looking at them in my rear view mirror going, I'll come back to you. When I'm Yeah, a bit that's confident. Fine.
0: So you, did you deliberately um, source a pattern for flat socks?
1: it was in this book that I've mentioned oh um, okay
0: it was in there like the that yeah.
1: and my as I say one of my gardening uh, family said try this they they too weren't big fans of um the circular needles the mm-hmm. DPNs and it, it seemed like a huge you know moment of you know a panachea of you can do it with flat needles too you don't need to tie yourself in knots mm. yeah. and it's interesting that the author actually has that realization themselves that everybody's always you know used DPNs or circular but most people are au fait with flat needles. So yeah. it has created this range, this variety of um, different patterns. And to have done one, set, one key set, um, I'm now going through a whole host of other patterns.
0: Wow so it's actually I think I managed to miss something there's actually a whole book of
1: flat a whole, sock patterns a whole book I've got an e-copy but it's, I think, yeah. it's paperback. I think if I had it in paperback there'd probably be post-its all over the place oh, for
0: sure yeah but there are mentally post-its all over it aren't there <laughs> <laughs> so your next step then was to choose a yarn so how did you go about that
1: again from the advice of one of my teaching colleagues um that's a good place to start yeah and i think the the sharing of it the the, the advice and guidance is really important
0: in my Um, experience knitters tend to be falling over themselves to
1: share you
0: know their experience i mean hopefully not in a painful unsolicited way but when you yourself have gone through such a learning process over several years you think no it's all right you don't have to go through that bit look just don't bother with that. Don't tie some up in knots. Try this.
1: <laughs> yes, it's worth sharing. And I'm eternally mm. grateful. Um, and the yarn that they, they suggested is really quite pretty. It's really colourful. If you're going to have... I've seen it on
0: Instagram. It's
1: wonderfully, <laughs> uh, wonderfully multicoloured. Absolutely. I mean, you can't, if you're going to have socks and they're handmade, you might as well make a statement with them. It's okay. They are a piece yeah. of fashion. They are a garment that makes a statement. Um, was it a couple of... Uh, last year, um, the Prime Minister of um, Canada mr trudeau was on the news uh-huh. saying something about you know foreign policy or whatever but the world's media zoomed on on his socks <laughs> <laughs> oh, i
0: didn't hear about
1: that <laughs> so you know these socks which you know most cases are very visible um and i thought well if you're going to make socks and they're going to be part of you know a reflective grounding exercise as well make them enjoyable as with sorry, any... I'm sorry, I'm
0: I'm not going to be able to concentrate until you tell me what it was about Justin Trudeau's socks that were so amazing.
1: They were Star Wars socks. I think they were <laughs> <woolly> socks.
0: <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you for that. It's fine. We can move on
1: now. <laughs> mesmerized by the ak socks. I, yeah.
0: Well, we have um, we have Trekkies in the family, so I might have to uh, um uh, track down a, a pattern. Uh, uh, no, sorry, Star Wars, not Star Trek. Oh dear. I'm a bit of an amateur with all that. So, uh, when I imagine a flat sock. I am essentially envisaging something which is a, a sort of an increasing and a decreasing exercise. So mm. you start with a cuff, you do a bit of leg, you do the heel, you do the foot, you do the toe, and then you sort of do the whole thing
1: again in reverse mm. to end up with a sort of long, a long strip of piece. Is it's, that essentially what happens? Essentially, it's a bit like a spas, like the spatscot chicken or whatever it's called. Yeah, um, just straight, uh, as you say, starting with the cuff. And this is top down rather than yes. toe up. Um, so starting with the cuff. I'm trying to imagine it now as I speak to you. Uh, the cuff, um, the leg, depending on whether you want longer socks or shorter yes. socks. And then, of course, the heel, which to, to me is the most complicated Bit.
0: so if you i know that you haven't knitted many pairs of socks but from with the experience that you've had can you describe what you did to make the heel
1: it's a case of first in the first instance you've got 40 stitches on your needle you will need to knit all those split them in half the one right. half is onto your yarn holder and then you work on the heel flap yes by itself building it up put the, t- the heel turn and then to get the gusset and then combine the two pieces together and it's really very interesting actually I might be able to show you I've actually got it that would be marvellous I've actually got it on and again I can't see this very well but on my screen so, so I feel like like a, a weather girl so
0: <laughs> this is so, where the podcast being audio only slightly loses something but yeah. I'll, I'll see if I can describe what describe I'm seeing
1: Can you see, you've got a slightly wonky cuff at the bottom, and then the leg. Can you just lift it a wee bit higher? There you go. Ah, there you go, brilliant. So we've got the cuff there. These are a longer pair of socks. So a six-inch uh, uh, leg section. So
0: essentially, what I'm looking at at the moment is what looks like perhaps a scarf at first yep. glance, but you've got this sort of piece in the middle which is bulging outwards. Now that's that's on a, a
1: holder, is it? Are those um, stitches that's, on a holder? That's, that's one needle. Um, so one needle. Oh, so okay. I've, I've you've just shaped the heel. Me. That's yes. what so it is. You've shaped the heel already, and it's sticking out. Okay. Yep. So it, it's actually an amazing moment when you actually see it all come together. Oh, of um, sure. So you split it off halfway where the heel actually is and work on that with the remainder on a yarn holder. Mm-hmm. And then working on that heel and creating the heel turn, so that bulge that you yeah. mentioned. And it's the a bit like a
0: duck's hit. bill sticking out. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> and when you see that and you're knitting it and you think, actually, that's where my heel goes. Yeah. And you end up in your imagination just turning it upside down and imagining that you've got your foot in yeah, it. Yeah, sure.
0: Um, and imagining the edges brought round together to make exactly. a tube and you're away.
1: Yeah. Yes, exactly. So the the process for this particular one now will be to repeat the pattern of that six inches, which would be the foot in itself. Yeah. And then as you say this whole thing will be turned together like a tube and yeah. stitched down the side.
0: So you've done this now once already for a complete yeah. pair. So just how fiddly was it, Penam, it... seaming them up the side?
1: Well, <laughs> it's not bad, actually. Um, oh, good. It's not bad. It's a case of, I mean, I am still a, a beginner when it comes to socks. Um, but the fact is I liked having very clear instructions uh-huh yeah. um and oh, that's so... really important
0: when you're when yeah. you're new to something and especially if you've had an element of uh, about getting to grips with the knitting pattern there are some patterns that i describe as knitters patterns
1: mm-hmm. which are
0: the ones that have glib sentences such as reversal shaping and you know when I was what new. what is that even yeah, mean? well <laughs> I could go into detail I won't but essentially if you've um if you've shaped one side of the front of a jumper for instance and you uh-huh. just then have to reverse it all to do the other side and I'd have to go and lie down in a darkened room when yeah. faced with that sort of thing when I had not t- tangled with many patterns now I still have to sit and concentrate and often you know write it out and so on but it doesn't scare me anymore mm. but then, and so I call those knitters patterns because they're assuming that you you can handle these very minimalistic instructions and then there are other patterns where there's an expectation that you, you're going to have to be very clear and make it very manageable and you're not uh, you're you're avoiding the risk of inducing anxiety in the person who is getting to grips with what might be one of their very first well, patterns
1: for me having it written in black and white has been really useful i mean you know mentioning the pattern that you, you know you have to go lie down. The the ones that really at the moment make my anxiety rise are the, the graphic based patterns the patterns or the have a like cable stitch and things.
0: You mean ones that have chart? the
1: charts. Yeah. It makes no sense to me whatsoever.
0: The thing um I find with um things that have elements of technique that don't make sense to me initially are to just try sort of start trying to do them. Um and sometimes they still make absolutely no sense. Mm. But other times once you actually started doing something and you know, when you get some piece of instruction that doesn't mean a lot to you in the abstract, when you've actually got the stitches on the needle in front of you, you know, assuming you haven't made a mistake, so you've you've got the right number of stitches and they're in the right arrangement, whatever that should be, you know, a cable or whatever. Um, I find that that can help. I sort of sometimes go into. I'm I'm more likely now if something isn't making sense on a read through to think, sod it. By the time I get there, it'll probably it'll be okay, you know. And the lovely thing about knitting, the thing I value about knitting over the very basic elements of dressmaking that I've done, is usually with knitting, if it's a real disaster, you can just rip it out. Exactly. You haven't gone past the point of no return.
1: And you're quite right. Seeing it actually formulate in front of you, it's actually really quite amazing. Seeing from seeing it on a flat piece of paper or an e-reader, and then see at your fingertips actually developing, it's actually quite mind blowing, really.
0: Yeah, Idea oh, ideas, so, Yeah, knitting has so much going for it, and that sense of achievement. That you never thought you could do that or you didn't think it would work out but it has and you know mm-hmm. I think those those are tremendous so when you've seen this are you using um essentially a mattress stitch
1: it's um crocheting it together with together with a crochet crocheting crocheting hook it. with yeah with a just a normal chain stitch I believe and that's effectively what it looks like so you've got your panel your your would be tube your sock um, to turn it inside out so all the edges are neatly together and usually everything is slip stitched along the sides mm-hmm. and then putting the panels together pin them I've been using um, stitch holders to yes. just knit them pin them all together and then with I've used a, a very small very fine uh, crochet hook to just move in and out of all the slip stitches and just crocheting it together and it's just very neat and then obviously when you turn it inside turn it back out you can barely see the seam and it's it's a full complete sock
0: that's lovely and when you wear it do you particularly are you aware of that seam on the inside at all
1: not particularly no. and um the, the socks that i've the one pair that i've knitted um the Uh, seam is on the the side but the other version has it down the middle which is quite decorative really and that's quite nice yeah so you mentioned that
0: um after you had knitted this pair of socks you'd incurred a knitting injury tell me more about that
1: (laughs) (laughs) no one ever tells you that knitting is dangerous Um, in more ways than one it is um in my enthusiasm as is often the case when i get carried away and immersed into things i must have spent i think heather i think when I wasn't teaching or counselling more or less most of my time sat here trying to understand and just knitting and I got shoulder strain would you believe it ah. but I, where, however I was sitting um, I think my my left shoulder basically my rotator cuff all the way down you'd think I'd been fighting and oh i sulked for three days basically oh. because I couldn't knit oh. Um uh, what so do you think rest. you could do
0: differently another time to avoid that do you just keep an eye on your posture or not knit for so long
1: not knit for so long um and just rest in between um it, it's a horrible thought really to put a safe time limit on um knitting something as something as wholesome as knitting <laughs> <laughs> absolutely wholesome indeed yeah um i think i put it down to my um unbounded enthusiasm mm. and excitement for now yeah
0: the first time I ever knitted socks, I did some for my daughter, uh, made the big mistake of not using any particular special type of uh, bind off. So she could hardly get them on her feet because they were so tight around the cuff uh, or no, uh, would have been the cast on rather, because I would have done those cuff down and I just used a normal cast on that I would use for, you know, like a, I don't, I was say a jumper. But that's not quite right either because you do a rib. But anyway, I used yeah. a nasty tight um, cast on and you couldn't get the sock on her foot but I did them with DPNs and I had one um, I can't remember which finger it was now but one basically sat pressed against one of my fingers for the entire duration of doing the socks and I lost the feeling in the tip of my oh. finger for a few days oh, dear. <laughs> but I mean, that you know that didn't happen on future occasions but I do get um, quite a lot of pain in my left wrist if I knit for too long but what I've learned now because you you think oh it'll be fine I'll just keep going because you're really into what you're doing but you you know, I found that that's really counterproductive because the longer yeah. I, I go, the longer I'm going to have to wait until I can knit again. So I now tend to obey, you know, when I feel the first inklings of it, I just think, oh, so I'm just going to have to stop for a bit. And it remains manageable like that.
1: Which needles? And this is something that I've learned, actually, um, really important is bamboo needles. Mm hmm um i tend to use bamboo needles um a lot more that's not yeah that is a bamboo needle i use bamboo needles rather than the um the old school stainless steel is that because
0: you find the bamboo lighter
1: bamboo is lighter and it also reduces the heaviness on my wrists yes as well um so bamboo and these you get very enthusiastic when you start knitting these new new aluminium needles that I've got as well and because they're not the chunkier old school stainless steel needles they are enjoyable to knit with and you Mm. don't get the repetitive motion in your wrist it's a bit like light bulb dancing but it's (laughs) a little bit easier and a bit more warmer so I think those have helped but just being sat in one position and concentrating is never good for anyone it's
0: interesting because i don't use long needles really really ever anymore i use circulars for everything including Mm. flat knitting just Mm. because i'm so used to them because i like the fact that they're they're quite short not short tips i won't bore you Mm. with um the details of those but for people who are familiar with short tips i actually find those cause me more problems rather than less but using a standard length of interchangeable needle i really like the fact that you don't have um all the extra weight of that long um straight needle sort of Mm. sitting all the way up your arm and when I do occasionally use one now um I sort of think oh that's awkward isn't it you know because I'm I'm, with a, a circular you've still effectively got that length it's just cable yeah, rather it's than all contained needle in your lab. Yeah. yeah so, um, so that's I, I have now I think very much got to the point where I would now struggle to use flat needles because my technique or straight needles I think they're known as my technique now is just completely honed for having a, a, a relatively a relatively short needle zone, So, yeah. but you you really did not like circulars did you <laughs> at the
1: moment I mean the jury is out um, it's a shorter cable actually they're smaller needles and it's a shorter cable um, so in theory, it will all relax back to a uniform um, size sock. But I think because it's the, the newness of them and yeah. negotiating that, I think, at the moment is the uh, the main challenge yeah. for me.
0: I think if you found a technique that you like, I saw, I was looking on your Instagram account this morning and you've got uh, several colorways of yarn. <laughs> I know exactly what that's <laughs> Plenty like. of wool. Oh, definitely. Uh, I also saw that you'd used Wool Warehouse, as have I. um, They're they're going great guns at the moment, getting yarn out to all of us who uh, desperately need to be doing something. Um, I think if you've got a technique that you're happy with and you've got yarn that you're enjoying, just ride that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you might find eventually you think, oh, I wonder if I could add in this or that. In fact, one of the things that moved me on from DPNs is that I wanted to do a sock that had a cable in it. And the thought of having another needle as well as all the several that I already had that kept jabbing me in the wrist. That was my motivation to find a different way of knitting socks. And that's when I first started Magic Loop, which completely did my head in at the time. But until I, I got to the point where I just couldn't handle an additional needle, I was perfectly happy. And there's not, you know, I don't mean to sound like I'm criticising DPNs. They're just, they weren't, uh, they're not something I want to go back to. But I mean, people have been knitting on them for, you know, sort of hundreds, if not thousands Mm -hmm. of years. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's a a very effective way of knitting a tube. So, Mm -hmm. well, thank you very much for uh, joining us today. You mentioned um, you had many, many strings to your bow. Uh, I know that you write. So how many books do you, how many, I know you've got gardening books and you've got your novels. I
1: do. Um, My writing journey started nearly 10 years ago with my gardening books, Um, two books that I wrote with more or less everything that I'd learned, experienced on my allotment all that time ago. Um, So the gardening books are growing the produce and then what to do with it. And then through sheer randomness, I started to write novels, Um, uh, one standalone novel, uh, which is about loss and bereavement not a topic that many people address but I think that was the, the reason why I wanted to um write it and I was at that moment I was also starting my um training for to be a, to become a counsellor so that was something really interesting and then subsequently again through sheer randomness uh Heather I ended up writing romance novels <laughs>
0: And you enjoy. Obviously, you obviously really get a lot out of writing.
1: It's something that I really enjoy. Be it, you know, writing about my allotment, um, which um, it also involves blogging as well, and the Instagram account that you and you know you've mentioned a few times. It's um, creativity, and who knew that this latest avenue of knitting would be that? It's you know times like this, in you know the situation that we're in, creativity really has the buoyancy to lift people
0: yeah absolutely yeah whatever form it takes i know a lot of people are drawing but i think hell will freeze over before i find myself <laughs> willingly picking up a pencil and drawing anything that's uh, that's well, not one of my knitting skills. art
1: knitting art <laughs> well it's like,
0: interesting you... I was saying this morning, well, I was something I was writing this morning, I was making the point that my response, to, my creative response to most things, is to think, "Oh, I wonder if I could knit something appropriate." Uh, my, I think it was because somebody put a picture of Emma Thompson in chainmail on um, my um, knitting Twitter account uh, uh-huh. in my feed, and I thought, "Oh, I made um, a chainmail helmet for my son." And the reason I had done that is he was there was a, a medieval pageant in Leamster, and uh, we were going to go along to that, and you know, some people might think, "Oh." what could I cook? Maybe I could cook medieval cakes or, you know, something along those lines. Uh, But I thought, I'm going to knit something. (laughs) (laughs) And it was those, you know, medieval chainmail. It's absolutely boiling hot, though. You know, you'd only want to wear it in sort of December. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you very much for talking to us. It's been fascinating hearing about these socks. I look forward to seeing the progress of them as you oh it's been a pleasure and it was a real pleasure chatting to Poonam, and i'm hoping that it's something we can um do again in future apologies if there appeared to be any leaps in the audio but um it things got a bit crackly once or twice which i attempted to take out another internet Friend mentioned on Twitter on Friday night that there was an online yarn festival on Saturday. That's actually today for me um so for every yarn outlet that's having a boom like wool warehouse that Poonam and I have used, there will be those missing out hugely on the revenue and obviously the networking and the lovely social side um from sales at the many yarn events that are having to be cancelled just alongside events of all sorts um, so I asked her for more details and she pointed me to two Instagram accounts which is Wonderwool Wales and the other one is Yorkshire Yarn Fest so if you're on Instagram go and have a look at those. I did intend to have a look but real life got in the way um, today, and before I knew it, well, before I know it, it's now 5.01, so I think that's rather passed me by. But as uh, I was saying anyway, having just bought this Drops Nord, uh, I'm not going to be really in a position to buy any more yarn for the time being. Which brings me on to my last point in what's becoming rather a bumper episode of when is it a good idea to buy yarn? I've mentioned relentlessly over the last couple of years that I've got all of this grey and black, and oh, grey and black decay and. Cream Aran that I bought from Aldi when it was on special offer, and I just honestly couldn't help myself. Um, it was before I'd really got to grips with the properties of yarn, and they're mainly acrylic. And I've discovered, you know, I say the hard way—that's a bit harsh. I've had a tremendous amount of knitting pleasure out of using these yarns, but you couldn't call them lovely yarns, you know. After a while, they pill. Um, they've not got a lot of structure, you know. If I was looking for a DK or an Aran, I could do far better, and I have. as all sorts of other yarns that I've bought along the way but they they played a role for me at at a particular point in time and hand on heart um I don't I couldn't possibly have bought the same volume of yarn um, that was a smarter thing something that maybe contained wool or that was um, very cotton rich I couldn't possibly have bought the same volume of yarn for anything like the same amount of money and I was going to say that might have held me back that sounds a bit highfalutin but by which I mean I just couldn't have done as many projects however the flip side of that is that I've really really learned the downside of buying a ton of yarn because it's there and because it's affordable because I've been actively looking for ways to use it up, which has been an interesting, sometimes mixed um, process. You know, there's all sorts of things I've knitted that were a bit of fun. Um, I probably wouldn't have bothered if I hadn't just had the yarn to burn. But it has definitely taught me now that I'm not really going to be buying yarn on spec. And I had a, a sort of an oh, no, here we go again moment the other day when I was in Aldi two metres from the next person, and they had fat quarters. (laughs) And I thought... Ooh and these lovely patterns and I was drawn to them like a moth to a flame and I thought no if I'm not buying yarn just for the hell of it in case there's something I want to make with it I certainly shouldn't be buying fabric on the same basis as much as anything I'm sort of struggling for space to put it all I've already got drawers stuffed with you know ripped pillowcases and things that I'm quite sure I'm going to be making into some wonderful sewing project at some point in the future so in answer to the question when is it a good idea to buy yarn your instinct is always every time But I think for me, what my answer to that now would be when I have a project, when I need yarn for something, I'm going to be using up odds and ends of this stash that I got because now that I think about it, it wasn't just the DK and the Aaron. I bought chunky, I bought super chunky, I bought sport, and I'm I'm going to be using it, you know, till the end of time, to be honest. But I am now at the point where. The amounts that I have left, they'll be for small projects. They'll be for a pair of mittens or a cowl or something. I haven't got jumper quantities left anymore. The last sort of jumper quantity I used up making tailor for Polly. Which is quite freeing, actually, because it does, I do now sort of think, oh, thank God, you know, I don't have to keep looking for ways to use it up. So although it's enormously tempting to look at yarn and going back to my original point about the yarn festivals, I will this evening treat myself to half an hour flicking through all the images of lovely things on Instagram. But I'm not going to be buying anything because my next couple of projects are these pairs of socks. I've got the yarn. The next thing is my son wants um, something for next winter, a jumper, really. But it has occurred to me, apologies if I've said this before, because it's been sitting in the back of my mind, that maybe I could buy some sweatshirt material and see if I could make him something on the sewing machine. But I've probably just said something really stupid and actually it's massively complex and no one in their right minds ever makes a hoodie on a sewing machine. So we'll have to see. Um, what comes of that but I think he's beginning to get a little bit big once he's at high school I'm not sure mum's hand knitted jumpers are, are really going to cut it anymore so sort of shades of uh, the Weasley brothers there anyway I shall leave this for now um, I really hope you've enjoyed the interview I look forward to doing more of them in future and I hope to be back with you soon just before I go as promised on Instagram I'm the ordinary knitter and on Twitter I'm at the Ord knitter. Bye.